Good afternoon, Metro Augusta and surrounding areas. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to another edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by my very favorite airport, the Augusta Regional, as well as my favorite consulting firm, the one that I manage, Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, LLC. My special guest today is Ben Kittleson. He joins me as a result of our connection through the Engaging Local Government Leaders Group. Uh, I have done a webinar uh, with them as well as a swapcast, which is to say that I will be a guest on one of their podcasts. And so he is a guest on my podcast as well. Uh, ben has extensive experience in local government, and I thought it would be very instructive for our audience to have a conversation with someone like me and someone like him talking about how people decide to work for local governments, the variety of skills and talents that it requires, and to sort of uh, demystify and uh, eliminate some misconceptions about who it is that works for local government. How are you doing this afternoon, Ben? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much. Ben, if you could just sort of go through for our audience uh, information about your educational background and uh, some of the organizations that you work for, some of the larger local government organizations you now in the private sector doing consulting. Can you sort of talk through um, some of the major career experiences you've had and uh, how that has prepared you for life? Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe the best place to start is the beginning. So, um, so I went to uh, to undergraduate in a, a small liberal arts college in, in in the state of Oregon. So you know it feels a, a world away from from the East Coast out here. Um, but uh, I was interested, trying to think about what I was going to do after I graduated, and I didn't quite know. Um, I was always interested in local in in government um, and kind of in the public sector. Um, I, I was on sports teams throughout my childhood and, and into college, and you know I loved being a part of something bigger than myself. And so I was kind of looking for that in a uh, in a career. Um, at the same time, I, I realized I did not want to work for politicians and I, I was not interested in, you know, quote unquote politics um, necessarily. Um, but I, I, I did want to work for, you know, for the public. Um, and so kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, uh, I, I ended up applying for graduate school for a public administration, which is um, essentially the, um, the people that actually do the work of, of government rather than, you know, just the, 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 pe the people that get elected and kind of are the, are the front face. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't know much about the field before I entered it, um, but I found it to be like the perfect match of my, my interest in making a difference in my community and kind of giving back to something bigger than myself, uh, while at the same time getting to focus on the work rather than kind of the politics of, you know, government and, and all that. Um, so I, I went. I got my uh, master's in public administration at, at Portland State University uh, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and while I was there, I got involved with with ELGL, which, uh, as you mentioned, is engaging local government leaders. Um, and they're a, a group that's focused on engaging the brightest minds in local government. And so we really want to, you know, encourage folks to to choose this as a career path. Um, uh, we want to, you know, make sure local government is is a great place to work, um, and we'll kind of talk about some of the, you know, the great work being done at the local level. Um, and so I got involved with the LGL and then I got, uh, I had a, a number of internships out in, in the, the Portland area uh, for cities kind of doing some communications work and, and some, uh, some writing. Um, 
and then um, it was actually uh, my wife's fault that we moved out to the East Coast. Um, <laughs> she got into graduate school at the University of North Carolina, and, and so I, uh, once I graduated, I, I followed her out, you know, this way, and and, and found a job in a budget office uh, for the uh, Guilford County, North Carolina, which is uh, for those you know unfamiliar with the the state of North Carolina, it's where uh, Greensboro is. Um, so I got to work in a budget office there, and uh, was really some like of, of my favorite uh, experiences. Um, I loved working. I love working in budget offices. Um, uh, you really get to see the whole organization. Um, and so, folks maybe you know unfamiliar with budgeting and, and local government, it, it is the um, the one big policy and planning document that the a local government does throughout the year. Um, you know, we're not like the federal government or, or, or some states where you can kind of, you know, move numbers around and make things look like they're, they're running well or um, local governments have to have balanced budgets. Um, they have to, ha all, all the revenues and taxes have to equal the, the amount that you spend. Um, and so you really get to like, uh, in a budget office, you really get to see like kind of what, what goes behind the scenes and making those decisions and what goes into kind of the day to day of, of, of cities and counties. Um, so I really enjoyed, you know, my time there and uh, working for Guilford County was a, was a ton of fun. I got to see, you know, what a, what a sheriff's office is like. I got to see, um, you know, all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and then after after I spent a few years at Guilford County, um, I wanted to make the to the, the jump to working for a city. Um, so you know, for for those uh, maybe unfamiliar, uh, cities and counties tend to have different services. Um, so counties tend to do things, uh, you know administer state programs like Medicaid or Medic uh, or uh, food stamps um, and public health um, while cities get to do like a lot more infrastructure type work. Um, so they're, they're building streets, they're supplying water, uh, they're, you know, they're doing sewer systems. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of see what that was like. And uh, for Durham, North Carolina is one of the fastest growing cities in uh, kind of in, in the, in the country and uh, definitely in the state of North Carolina. Um, and it, it has this thriving, you know, tech and, and startup scene. Um, so I was really excited to get to work there. Um, I got to do some engagement around the budget, which uh, I'm happy to talk more about uh, if, if folks are folks are interested. Um, and then uh, I got to uh, one of the programs I got to to start and, and lead uh, that I think was really unique for the city of Durham was uh, something we call Innovate Durham, where we got to bring uh, startups in, into City Hall and into the county, uh, Durham County, um, to work with departments and help them improve services. Um, so it's kind of a fun way to get to partner, you know, you know, public sector, private sector, and um, with, with like a, an actual local um, business, not just like kind of something generic and uh, unwieldy, but like with a, you know, a, a, a business that has their office right down the street from City Hall. Um, so that was a ton of fun. Um, so after my time in Durham, I, um, my wife got a, you know, a, a, another new job. So that led to a, a little bit of a career change, but um, I now work for uh, Raftelis, um, which is a uh, consulting company that works with local governments and utilities across the country. And so we'll, I'm on uh, their management consulting team um, and we do organizational assessments and staffing studies for um, you know, uh, cities and local governments, big and small. Um, so, you know, just some, some recent uh, projects that I've worked on. Um, we did, we did a, a land development review of and process improvement for the city of Santa Barbara, California. Um, we did an assessment of the fleet uh, department for Pinellas County, Florida. Um, I was on a, an HR assessment uh, for the HR department in Greeley, Colorado. So it's, you really get to take a look at what, uh, how these different departments are operating, how these different organizations are operating and, and get to make some you know, recommendations on how they can improve, uh, which is kind of a ton of fun and uh, really a unique perspective on uh, the profession and, and kind of local governments across the country. 
that was a fabulous description of all the different types of things that are really exciting to folks like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really exciting. Uh, I, I want to use that too to dispel some stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the education field, you hear folks saying, well, those who can't do teach. Uh, and that is one of the worst stereotypes ever because some of the brightest, most creative, most clever individuals I know are engaged in the education field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Likewise, in local government, I think people fail to understand how innovative some of those who work in local government are. You know, they think about either bureaucrats, uh, political appointees, sort of political Mm -hmm. hacks who may not necessarily have any other talents. So they just wound up in local government because they knew somebody who helped them get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't, I think, really take into consideration the innovation, uh, the leadership skills, um, the budget knowledge. You know, you talk about managing some of these local government organizations, their budgets are in the hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. if not billions of dollars. Uh, so for someone to effectively function at that level, you need people who are bright, Mm-hmm. dedicated, uh, caring. You know, you talked about the human services aspect with things like public health uh, and having to provide those sorts of services when you work in county government. Uh, can you just kind of talk about how we fight those stereotypes yeah. to help folks understand who we really are when we're working in government? Yeah, no, totally. And it's one of the things that, you know, uh, one of the things that we love to talk about is in ELGL is that we need to humanize uh, government and humanize the people that work for local governments and um, the people that are, you know, out there picking up your trash and you know, making sure your, your pipes are working and uh, making sure your street, your streets are clean and, you know, and all their services are happening you know, within budget and on time. Um, they care passionately about the communities they serve. And um, you, it, you know, it takes five minutes of talking with them to, to see that come across. Um, and I also think like people forget or, or maybe don't understand the, the amount of things that are come, the services that come from local governments, like, you know, your, your recreation services, you know, the open space and parks that are available in your community are, are often local governments are uh, providing those. Um, library services are, are local level. So, you know, these passionate uh, people, you know, are, are providing all sorts of things. Um, and, and like you said, like uh, there, there is so many, so much innovation and so much creativity at the local level. And often that, um, you know, is born out of necessity where you have, you know, tight budgets and you're forced to do more with less um, and, and local governments find a way to, to do just that. Um, you know, I would argue, you know, you find, you know, things like when I was at the city of Durham, we had recently, or not, not too recently, but a, a few years ago, they had combined the city and county, you know, planning department and inspections departments to, um, you know, get some uh some uh uh some some kind of savings and and to provide better services to the, the communities that were you know served by formerly two uh, distinct departments um and so that collaboration makes things better um you know while i was there we opened a development services center that was kind of like a one-stop shop uh, for folks that uh, to come in and get permits and get their plans reviewed so that kind of creativity um, and innovation like saves money for uh for residents and for uh, customers to the land development um, process um, but it, it also shows that like, you know, there are folks that are passionate and want to do things better, that um, it's not just about saving money, but it's also about like um, providing better services. 
Um, there's a whole movement around innovation and, and performance and data in local government. Um, I, I was really excited and lucky to get to be a part of that in, in the city of Durham. Um, at, at ELGO, we try to highlight those stories, and you know, there is, there, you know, they're happening in the city of, you know, Seattle, Washington, uh, to smaller, you know, suburban communities like Scottsdale, Arizona, or, you know, the city of Durham where I was. Um, uh, so, but, and you know, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you know, down south. So. There's there's all sorts of like co really cool and innovative things happening. Where um, I just did a you know a podcast episode with the city of Rochester, where their their innovation team is is focused on uh, reducing poverty and combating poverty. And so they've you know found ways to um, provide resources to folks and, and test things to you know uh, to you know provide services like mentoring and to provide startup loans to to entrepreneurs uh, to try and uh, encourage you know. Uh, reduce poverty and, and find uh, more pathways to employment. Um, so there's just like, it's such an exciting field. Uh, I could talk about it and nerd out with you all day about it. Um, but uh, I, you're right, there, there's definitely some stereotypes. And I think the ones that I uh, love to, to push back on the most is that, you know, when you, you talk about the faceless government or the faceless city or county, you know, those are people like they're, they're people that are providing those services. Most of our money goes to uh, employing people that, that do things for the community. Um, and they are passionate and caring about their communities and they are often, you know, finding ways to do more with less every day. Um, and this, you know, COVID-19 situation and economic fallout is, is, is going to be a great example of that. There's going to be some, I think, some, some great innovation and some great uh, creativity that comes as a result of this because local government's going to be forced to do, to provide services and, and, and do more with less uh, as a result of this. You mentioned saving money. That's mm -hmm. another misconception, I think. Um, I remember even talking to my dad um, mm -hmm. because while he encouraged my career in local government, he really got behind my dream of wanting to become a city or county manager. Um, one day when I was in Albany, when I was assistant city manager, I was just talking about garbage collectors mm -hmm. and how much they made and how you know base pay is not really that great but they do work a fair amount of overtime so that makes the job more attractive because there's opportunity for overtime compensation and he goes y'all pay overtime well why don't y'all just hire more people you're the government can't you just hire more people and i said dad you know it's more expensive for us to hire more people exactly. because <laughs> we got to pay those folks benefits and and you know all those sorts of things because you know we do have generous benefit package so we've got to pay for all of that the sick leave and the, and the health insurance and pension contributions and all those things he goes i, I just thought y'all hire more people so <laughs> there is just like in the private sector, there is an incentive to reduce your costs. Government organizations go through that same process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and that's what I got to do in a budget in, in budget offices. Is uh, what my first boss used to joke like we pay for our, ourselves our salaries um, in the budget office uh, every you know budget cycle because we're in there cutting budgets and, <laughs> and making sure the requests are, are appropriate and not you know more than what they actually departments actually need. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely a part of every local government um, is, is taking a hard look at like, you're not just going to add 10 police officers to add 10 police officers. It's going to be thoroughly view, uh, reviewed and vetted and make sure it's actually what the, the community and the department needs um, before you get to uh, the actual you know, solution of more staff. Okay, exactly. Also, one of the other things you mentioned, I thought was very, very uh, important right now is 
governments looking at ways to reduce poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, I have seen over the last maybe five years is the trend, maybe a little less, let's say three to five, there is a trend toward looking at the whole person, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and, and in so doing, uh, figuring out how we can build people from the inside out so that long-term they are not so dependent upon government services. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in that trend as well? Yeah. And I think uh, a good example is when I was at the city of Durham, our, uh, we got a grant uh, to fund an innovation team um, from Bloomberg Philanthropies. Uh, and they got to work on, on uh, uh, the, the goal was reducing kind of crime and helping with reentry for folks, uh, which is very much related to uh, combating poverty. And it's, it's helping folks, you know, find jobs and, and kind of plug into a community when they get back. Um, but I think kind of it boils down to local governments are starting to take a hard look at some of these big hairy problems. Um, so it's not just, hey, we have, you know, we need more police to do, to deal with this. It's what's the root cause? What's the root problem that we need to uh, kind of combat and, and find a way to, to address? And I think that's been one of the most exciting things and trends in our, our profession is that like, there's this hard look at like, um, well, if we have this problem of, of folks kind of coming back to the community without support, how do we set up structures um, to, to make sure that they have the support they need? Um, in order to kind of, uh, you know, and reenter society successfully. Uh, you know, which reminds me of the work of a friend of mine. There's an organization called the Exodus Foundation. It's mm-hmm. based in Charlotte, but their entire focus is stemming the flow, in particular, of African Americans to prison, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very salient conversation these days, given the conversation on the other end about police reform uh, and how we um, make things better for people who are not as privileged. Mm -hmm. You know, all the issues related to systemic racism, uh, the uh, traditional policing and the limited options associated with that is either you're innocent or you're guilty, you go to jail or you don't. Um, And how we just make that more fitting for for what we find in society today and do it in a way that minimizes the degree of brutality we've seen as well. Um, It it looks like to me as if uh, because of all these uh, issues, societal issues we're facing, local governments have come to realize that the role is broader than what it used to be. I mean, we look at local government as picking up your garbage, Mm -hmm. putting out your fire, issuing your building permit, you know, those zoning, you know, those basic sorts of things. Uh, It seems like we local governments are, uh, if not expanding, you don't look at it, I don't look at it just that way, but we are acting in response to the needs. And that seems to be an encouraging trend uh, for me. Um, It seems like you've seen some of those same things. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think the, the trend of like the, the chief equity officer in local government, I think is, is a reflection of, of exactly what you're saying. And it's um, getting at these other problems. That's not just providing the basic services. It's, you know, how do you, and I think it's also addressing some of the histories that are, that a lot of cities have around segregation and, and systematic racism that, you know, that still have effects on, on their residents today. And so how do you, 
um, go about combating that. And, and I think there's some great examples around like the, the city of Austin, Texas, their chief equity officer, Brian Oaks, is, has done some co-work with um, making sure each department takes equity into account as they're thinking about their services and, and what you know what that looks like and and uh you know they they recognize the history that they've had in, in that community um i just talked with the the uh she's the director of the division of race and equity at the city of minneapolis uh, uh joy uh, marsh stevens um she's uh doing some some great work and they have some great um you know strategic action plans around racial equity and you know this was happening for years before you know the, this current moment of kind of protest and demands for for you know addressing systematic racism um, but yeah, I think it's this reflection of like, hey, we we can't just like get away with doing the bare bones anymore. We we've got to be addressing some of the the problems in our community that are bigger than than just uh, the local government that that we have, can have a hand in shaping and that we we should have a hand in in making better. Especially like if we've, you know, like had had roles in uh, in in creating segregation or. Um, you know, providing uh, bad, poor service to uh, disenfranchised groups in the past. Like, how do we correct those wrongs and make sure that um, going forward, like we have a lens of racial equity and, and inclusion in all the work that local government does. Ben, if there was one thing that you would say to a young person who is considering a career in local government, what would it be? Uh, just do it. Yeah. Um, I, I think anything you're interested in, like you can find a, a role or a career in a local government. And that's what's, what I think is so exciting. Like if you're, if you're passionate about affordable housing, if you're passionate about, you know, uh, green infrastructure or sustainability, like uh, it really runs the gamut. Um, uh, so I, like you just try it and you'll really find passion uh, and you'll find, you'll find a lot of people that are willing to teach and willing to include you in, in this career and give you a bunch of advice along the way. So um, you should definitely, uh, definitely pursue it. Start with an internship and figure out what you, you want to do or, or what you don't want to do. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, this is, you are a non-traditional guest to my show from the standpoint of uh, somebody who's outside the area. Everybody else has been here locally, but I think this reinforces the point that local government really is a profession unto itself. Uh, there are people who are able to successfully maneuver, uh, like I did moving up from one location, the next biggest city, the next biggest county, uh, moving up to the next higher level of responsibility in order to pull all of this together and ensure that the residents of whichever community is receive uh, equitable, high quality services at a reasonable price. So yeah. thanks so much for being with me today. I look forward to future conversations. And just so you all know, uh, Ben assists with the podcast for the Engaging Local Government Leaders Organization, which he made reference to earlier. Mm -hmm. And I was a guest on his podcast. Uh, I probably will put that podcast, if I can, on my website along with uh, this uh -huh. one so that uh, people are uh, familiar with that conversation conversation and how it all comes together. So thanks so much, Ben, for being, being a part of my show today. Yeah, thank you. All right. Ben's presentation was informative for you. Uh, I think, as I said, there are numerous misconceptions about folks who work in local government and what they do. So I'm glad to have him uh, as my guest this week.
As we start talking about what is happening locally, it is time for us to get prepared for runoff elections. Uh, it is uh, the case that the Richmond County Board of Elections has started preparing and testing voting equipment to be used on election day and during advanced voting. Uh, they began those tests on uh, Monday, July 6th, uh, and it's important that they test all of the equipment to make sure that it is functional and they are indeed prepared for us to come out to the polls. Uh, just so you know, advanced voting for the August 11th runoffs began on Monday, July 20th through Friday, July 31st at the Beasley Community Room of the Municipal Building located at 535 Telfair Street in Augusta from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. and beginning Monday, August 3rd through Friday, August 7th, uh, additional locations will be open from the hours of 8.30 a.m. until 6 p.m. daily, and those include the typical locations, which are Warren Road Community Center, the Henry Brigham Recreation Center, and the Robert Howard Community Center at Diamond Lakes. Voting by mail will begin as soon as practicable. Uh, I will encourage you to go ahead and request those absentee ballots. Just like during the primary, we did not have to specify a reason that we were requesting an absentee ballot. We don't have to this time again, but please go and request that ballot. You can do that via the Georgia Secretary of State's website, or you can get to it from the Richmond County Board of Elections website to do that. Um, and just for clarity, please make sure everybody understands that the election day polling locations in Augusta, Richmond County are located in Augusta Commission Districts 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, because those are the districts that are either in Super District 9, where there's a runoff, as well as District 1, where there's a runoff, and District uh, 3, where there is a runoff. Again, commission districts, if you live in districts one, two, three, four, and five, there is a runoff for you. Uh, please go to the polls there. As always, uh, all episodes are available in podcast form uh, on SoundCloud. You just go to soundcloud.com slash local matters and you pick, can pick up any episode of my show. Want to let you know that for upcoming shows, we are going to have uh, Burke County Sheriff Alfonso Williams. We've invited him to be a guest and he's consented to do so. Uh, he has a book project that he wants to discuss with you as well. We'll talk to him about his version of some of the more recent events involving law enforcement on a national level. Also, we're going to bring in our candidates again for those runoffs, again, so you can make sure that you hear from them and you're prepared. I also want to let you know that I have been invited for a speaking engagement. You know, I've mentioned that I do uh, public speaking in addition to my consulting and my uh, podcast and radio show. Uh, an organization called Georgia Shift, uh, which is right up my alley. It is geared toward getting young people more involved in the political process, uh, teaching them how to get engaged. They asked me to come in and talk to them. So I'll be with them on next Wednesday evening um, to teach them more about how they get engaged at the local level and make their voices heard and known. Uh, 
I, I appreciate being with you. I love this opportunity to do media. Never knew how much I would enjoy it uh, because it not only helps uh, our community, it helps you as individuals and it helps me sort of to get all this knowledge out of my head and uh, into yours. So hopefully you can take advantage of the things that I have learned and, and, and things that steps that we can take in order to improve our quality of life. As I close, I'll always uh, give you my uh, favorite Bible verse. I use it as a guide. I think you may have heard me on a previous show say that I believe that scripture should inform policy. Um, we need all the help we can get, and uh, guidance from God is uh, one of the best things that we can do uh, to inform our policy, to inform our decisions uh, that we make. We have to make sure that we are guided in the right way. So what guides me, one of my favorite verses, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making to make sure that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Tune in next Wednesday, 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK and on the podcast version on SoundCloud because local indeed matters. Thank you so much.